And let's begin with our first guest on the Wintrust Business Lunch today. This is Scott Hamilton, Gallagher's Global Chairman of Human Resource and Compensation Consulting. Scott, could you have a longer title, please? Uh, I'm working on it, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, see what's next. Uh, <laughs> How do you fit that on a business card? And does anybody still have business cards? Nah, nobody uses business cards anymore, uh, Wendy. So. All right. Well, so here's what's going on. Um, it's a positive job outlook right now. It looks like uh, a Fed rate cut in March uh, will not happen. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, I think today's jobs report was uh, pretty much a continuation of your segment on Bob Marley, right? It's a don't worry, be happy. And, um, you know, I, I think it was unexpected um, and uh, just a, a really significant increase in, in jobs that have been added on the non-farm side of the economy. So um, I'm, it's Groundhog Day, and how do you not uh, do a shout-out to Bill Murray in the movie where he missed the weather forecast, right? The, moisture's, the moisture from the Gulf is moving. Moving off to the east, and uh, so it's. Uh, I think this is one of those ones where the forecasters really didn't understand the strength of uh, the hiring and the economy underneath that. So, is there a certain area that uh, jobs are better in? Uh, certain industries that are more lucrative, more jobs available. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as and we do work with with companies all across the globe, but a lot in the U.S. here with our our data sets and our consultants. And so, I mean, the the, the jobs that have been increasing the professional and business service areas those were highlighted in the jobs reports. Companies are definitely hiring a lot into the uh, data analytics and um, AI related positions. Healthcare, uh, you know, again, an area where where we do a, a lot of work. We're continuing to help hospitals, health systems, long term care facilities. Everybody's trying to add uh, jobs. And it's, again, not so much in just the clinical areas, but it's in positions that can be related to AI, IT, you know, everybody trying to um, increase productivity and, and, and care outcomes. So the hiring is, is it seems to be fairly broad-based. You know, I, I was talking to some friends and, and they were saying, you know, it's like nobody wants to work anymore, but people are working and are companies doing anything different to retain their workforce? Do they have to offer oh, better things? Absolutely. I think COVID taught uh, companies a lot of lessons. And, you know, the first thing, trying to get people back into the office, there had to be a, a complete recalibration of what, if, if a worker was going to be bringing what was their life today into the office tomorrow, what would that look like? How do we better address work-life needs? How do we meet, you know, the employees where we keep them engaged, keep them productive? So, Absolutely. Companies had to work hard on engagement, communication, um, you know, even reward preference surveys. What is it that you need now that you didn't need, you know, pre-COVID? And how do we make sure that we're providing that support to retain and motivate and get the kinds of, of growth um, out of employees today and into tomorrow? COVID definitely changed everything, obviously, um, with people working from home. But now uh, I thought everybody was supposed to get back to work and in the office. But there's still some definite hybrid opportunities out there, correct? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, we just completed a study. It's our uh, Gallagher's Best in Class analysis where we take a look at, at what high-performing companies are doing. Um, and, you know, the hybrid uh, approach or the hybrid work model is definitely in the center of that. Um, companies are having to figure out, you know, what workers need to be in the office on a core schedule, you know, two, three, four, five days a week. But where else can you work out the balance and allow people some flexibility? Uh, maybe it's three days a week and, and two days at home, but it's, you know, kind of one of those decisions that the managers have to work out 
Um, and just it's it's meeting the employees in the middle. It's really meeting folks where their work-life balance has evolved. So you're getting more retention. You're getting, quite frankly, um, I think more output from folks. It's it's debatable whether you can see it in productivity numbers, but you know I think folks are appreciating the flexibility that they have, and uh, it makes them work harder when they're working. Yeah, everybody talks about that life-work balance, and it really did hit home when the COVID crisis was going on. Are we looking pretty good here, like, uh, to where things were before COVID? Are we getting close? I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, there's there's so many different approaches to where people work, how they work, what work lo- what work looks like even today. I mean, work is changing. When you take a look at, at the, the influence of AI and and jobs expanding, and you know, people wanting more out of their careers, there's so many different variables today than were in place pre-COVID. So I don't know that it's ever going to be exactly like it was. I think what we're continuing to look at is just this newly evolving, you know, work-life balance where workers' needs have changed, companies are meeting them where they can in the middle, but it's really about trying to encourage career growth, uh, retention, um, and, 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 you know, doing business as, as businesses evolve today. Great. Thank you so much. A pleasure talking to you, Scott. Oh, thank you so much, Wendy. Take care. Wendy Snyder sitting in for John Williams. It's the Wintrust Business Lunch. And we now go live to Sarah Adlin Baina, Northwest Chicago owner of Seniors Helping Seniors. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Wendy. How are you? It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be back here. (laughs) Certainly. So um, earlier today I was talking about GoGoGrandparent, and it's an app that allows a senior to get out of the house and do things. In this cold winter month, sometimes they don't do as much as they can or should. So there are ways that seniors can help other seniors stay mentally and physically active during these cold winter months. Tell us about this. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's the beauty of seniors helping seniors. We, we kind of serve, um, we serve that, that population in both ways. We look for mature caregivers that may be older adults themselves, but they're very active and able to assist those that are a little less able to do the things that they still need to get, get done at home or errands that are run. So some of our clients actually We'll, they'll they'll pick up uh, our caregivers will pick up a client and they'll take them to a local mall and get out there and walk and interface with the other mall walkers. They'll take them on errands. They'll take them to the grocery store and 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 do these activities very leisurely so that it allows them the opportunity to chat with other people in the store or in the mall and it helps them to maintain that sort of independence and that engagement with the community that's just one way that uh that we're able to to assist you know it's uh hard for they say it's hard for young people today to have one-on-one relationships because of social media and as you get older and you're kind of stuck inside your home i imagine it's hard to meet people as well so if you have someone else coming to your house this sounds like a, a great way to have communication and relationships and build a friendship You know, it really is. And I I have a great example of that. When I was delivering some holiday gifts in December, uh, I had a recent client caregiver pairing and they wouldn't have probably met each other had it not been for seniors helping seniors. And the inside jokes that they have developed over the course (laughs) of, of their time together and 
and the relationship that they're building, it doesn't feel like work for the caregiver and it doesn't feel like she's receiving a service from from the client standpoint. They have, they're developing a friendship that's very meaningful and joyful. They enjoy cooking together. They're helping to reduce some of the collections that the client has, has accumulated over the years. And they're having a good time kind of reminiscing about the items that are in this box or on this shelf. And it's it's really terrific. And when you talk about technology, you know, some seniors or older adults are very high tech and some are low tech. So we really try to be as accommodating as possible to help them feel comfortable with the caregiver and the client relationship to make sure that their needs are being met. So this isn't just uh, caregiving, it's caregiving um, and uh, a relationship as well. There definitely is some I, I mean, is this like a, a, a home health care type thing as well? Like medication, it's, it's things like that? It's not home health, but okay. it is, it's home care. Like home care services is different than home health. So while some people do need assistance in, you know, maybe taking a shower or running to the bathroom or what have you, a lot of what we're doing is basic companionship and, and accompanying them to doctor's appointments or to lunch with their friends or to the grocery store or, or walking their dog or, or whatever the other items may be on the list. Um, the, the wellness side is big in making sure that they're getting some physical activity to the degree that they can. Even if someone is, is kind of confined to a wheelchair or a walker, there are things that anybody can do to activate your arms by using some light weights. And there's a lot of ways that we can engage to make sure that everybody's needs, physical and mental, are being met. So it's terrific. And home health is a different subject. This is home care. And um, also maybe like home game playing. I'm looking for somebody to play Racco with. It's this old (laughs) game that... um, Give me a call. We'll find someone. (laughs) But seriously, I mean, I my brother and sister are older than me, so I used to play games by myself all the time. I bet some yeah. of these people would like someone to play Yahtzee or Racco with. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, when I'm doing that initial consultation with a potential client, I'm immediately sort of going through my Rolodex of, okay, my caregivers that love to do puzzles, this would be perfect, or or the, the ones that love to play cards and what have you, or the ones that like to bake. You know, we, we really try to make it a little bit of a matchmaking so that there's a good relationship that can form right off the bat. That's And you mentioned, like, cooking. Uh, sometimes perhaps you would not want to trust your older loved one alone to bake cookies or something. But with right. someone from Seniors Helping Seniors, maybe you had somebody help baking Christmas cookies this past holiday. Absolutely, all the time, and it doesn't even stop with baking, you know, soup, making um, casseroles that can be divided, doing that meal preparation so that when someone isn't there with the particular client, they can reach in the freezer and thaw out their dinner at lunchtime so that they're, they're, being, they're meeting their nutritional needs, they have something on hand. And a lot of them love to just do it together because maybe they did that with their own kids or they've done it with their grandkids that maybe have moved away. So we really do a lot of conversing and figure out what what boxes to tick and what things they, they each enjoy. And then when, it, when it's a match made in heaven, it's a match made in heaven. Now, do you have to be a senior to participate in this? What if you're not quite in, in what constitutes a senior? Because, you know, sometimes you can get a senior discount at 55. 
Sure. I mean, it's really anyone that needs assistance. So you don't. Ha- there isn't an age limit or an age max. It's. Uh, it, it really is based on what your needs are. So we'll have anyone that needs, like I mentioned, the 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 outing to go for a walk to someone that needs some assistance post surgery, just being able to reach things wow. and get some things done around the house. Um, you know, light housekeeping falls under home care, meal preparation, rides to doctors' offices game playing, as you said, um, <laughs> and just general companionship. You know, there are a lot of people that really don't have a lot of interaction with others on a day-to-day basis. So this really fills a void and and brightens their day. You can have someone that is really mentally, you know, in a, in a dark place or they're really in, in the blues, in the winter blues, as you will. And Having somebody that comes a, a, on a daily basis or every other day really makes a big difference in their, their mental health and then their physical well-being as well. And how do people uh, reach out and get a senior to help a senior? Sure. They can visit our website, which is shshchicagonw.com, or my office phone number is 847 801 6403. There are other seniors helping seniors in the Chicagoland area. So anybody that's in this region can find an agency that is is just like mine that can assist with uh, a great companion pairing. So we're here to help and we absolutely love what we do. That sounds so great. It's got to be very yeah. rewarding. It really is. It really is. We're, it feels great to make a difference for people that, that really need some companionship and need some just a little extra help. And it's uh, the website, again, stands for Seniors Helping Seniors Northwest Chicago. So give the website one more time. Sure. SHS, as in Seniors Helping Seniors, ChicagoNW.com. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, continued success, and you're doing a great thing. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity to talk to you. Have a really great weekend. You as well. Sarah Odlin-Bena, Northwest Chicago owner of Seniors Helping Seniors. And just so you know, uh, RACO was introduced in 1956. I had a girls weekend. We went to Lake Geneva. We drank and played this game from 1956. It was so fun. I came home and ordered it on Amazon. It's still in the cellophane because I can't get anyone at my house to play with me. So I'm going to go play with a senior. There you have it. Milton Bradley put Racco together. It's proved its place as an American classic card game. It's simple mathematics. Control the play as players compete to achieve a collection of cards from lowest rank to highest. It's all held from opponent's site in plastic racks, hence the name Racco. Look it up. You'll want to play it. And then maybe I'll find a listener to play with me. We're going to find out about uh, the Chicago Children's Museum. Natalie Bortoli, Vice President of Programming and Experience Development at that museum, joins us now. How are you, Natalie? I'm good today. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Absolutely. I took my kids to the Children's Museum many, many times. They're not children anymore. They're in their Uh, 20s. But um, (laughs) how long has it been there? Give us a little background for people who haven't gone. Maybe they could take their grandkids. It's awesome. 
Well, I'm so glad to hear that. It is a great place, and it's a place where learning and play come together. Uh, Chicago Children's Museum was founded in 1982, so we have been part of Chicago for quite a long time now. We've been situated at Navy Pier since 1995, so it's a pretty wonderful time to come visit us with lots of new experiences, including our new Circusville exhibit. Yeah, so Circusville, come on, tell us about this. Will will there be clowns? Because if so, I'm not coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can dress up as a clown if you'd like, Wendy. I don't know if if that might be of interest. But it is is such a fun exhibit. And, you know, it's been a delight. We just opened it last week to see kids peek into it and then just watch their faces light up. And they're like, let me have it. I'm joining the circus. So it means that we've designed it and it's meeting the goals we wanted to, which was really to provide this experience where kids and families can become the stars of the show and really get to try on all of the roles of the many people who come together to bring a circus to life. And that's Folks we see in the show ring, like clowns and acrobats and ringleaders, but also all of the other roles, like food vendors and ticket sellers, which are proving to be as popular with the kids. <laughs> that is just so fun. I Don't you wish we could just go back to being a kid? I mean, honest to God, it, you say, oh, ticket, teller, ticket takers and, and food vendors. I mean, it's fun if you don't have to do it for a living. It's fun to play. It's very true. It's very true. And I'm fortunate to be in the Children's Museum each day, so I kind of do get to play yeah. <laughs> along with the kids. And it's um, it's a wonderful environment. So uh, what if somebody, I mean, you don't have any like high wires or anything, but do you have something that like a little low trapeze or something? We sure do. (laughs) So kids can become acrobats. I think what's so cool about this exhibit is it's designed to have both a backstage and a front of house. And each of those areas kind of cue different activities for the kids. So in fact, in the backstage, they get to hone their act. And that includes a real trapeze bar that is high enough off the ground where they are in the air, but of course, very safe with all of the right padded protection. Um, A tethered spinning hoop that's also a chance for them to become an aerialist. We do have a tightrope that is close enough to the ground, but still a real challenge because you have to try to walk on a real tightrope. And they get to really test themselves physically and try out some really new ways to use your body and to be physical. So they're gaining balance skills and agility. And then they get to take all of that and bring it to the front of the house and put on a show for friends and family so they can choose costume elements. They can choose the music that's going to accompany their act and just really have a fun time working together to bring a show to life. When I was little, um, my grandma took me to the Shriners Circus at the Medina Temple. And I I remember being afraid of the clowns out there because they always did that, like, you know, with their pointer finger, like, come here, come here. It's like, no, I don't want to come near you. you (laughs) Right. But I mean, are there even circuses anymore that kids can see? There are still circuses. And one of the things that we're so excited about is we really have focused this circus bill experience on the human-centered circus arts and sort of the feats of physical um, performance and all of the great skills that come along with that for kids. And, you know, we're so lucky in the Chicagoland area that there's a number of 
youth serving circus arts organizations. So folks like MSA and circus arts, circus steam, um, circus experience and actors gymnasium who are all partners of ours who are going to be with us, especially during spring break this year. Um, also leading activities and sessions for kids where they get to work along with real circus arts performers. Wow, that'll be so fun. What is the age uh, range? Like, what what is the best age for a kid to truly enjoy the Chicago Children's Museum? Yeah, our, our museum serves ages 0 through 10, so babies through about 5th graders. And I'd say this exhibit is really prime for about like 3-year-olds through 10-year-olds. And what other exhibits? Now, this one is cool, Circusville. I, I like the hands-on, although really the whole museum is pretty much hands-on. But, um, it is. You know, this is a specialized uh, exhibit right now. But what are some other things if people have not been to the museum? Yeah, so I think there's a little bit of something for every kind of learner and every kind of kid, right? So we've got, for instance, two climbing structures. Our newest one is called Cloudbuster, which is a massive climbable sculpture mm. that um, really perches above the Navy Pier Family Pavilion. So there's these wonderful bird's eye views as kids get up to the top of it, and it's a real physical challenge. So that's great even for older children, beyond our age range even. Um, we've got really wonderful hands-on workshop environments like our tinkering lab where kids are working with all kinds of tools and materials to build things. Our art studio, if you have a young artist in your life who would uh, enjoy that. Uh, just last year, we opened a brand new Water City exhibit that is all about um, experimenting and exploring water, but it also really uses our fair city, Chicago, as the inspiration. So there's a big um, Chicago skyline in that exhibit with all the buildings have all kinds of movable parts and there's waterways that are evocative of our Chicago River. Um, so lots of fun exhibits to be explored throughout the whole museum. And come play under the big top. Circusville runs through September 7th. The Chicago Children's Museum is open seven days a week. Really? Uh, we are open every day except for Tuesday. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, good to know. And uh, you can go to chicagochildrensmuseum.org and find out all the information you need. Thank you so much for joining us, Natalie. Really appreciate it. Stay away from the clowns. Thank you, Wendy. Have a great day. <laughs> all right, you as well. Natalie Bortoli, Vice President of Programming and Experience Development at Chicago Children's Museum. And now let's check in with Steve Gran uh, Steve Grzanich and the Wintrust Business Minute. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Chicago-based digital agency Bounteous will merge with artificial intelligence services provider Acolyte Digital. The merger has been dubbed Bounteous Times Acolyte with the combined company to be headquartered in Chicago. Acolyte's offices are currently in Dallas. The combined company will have about 5,000 employees around the world. The newly merged companies provide artificial intelligence solutions, cloud services, digital commerce, and product engineering solutions. The current CEO of Bounteous 
will serve as co-CEO with the current chief executive at Aqualite. The University of Chicago's Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation has launched a new fund to bring more of its inventions and early-stage technologies to market. According to Chicago Inno, the Proof of Concept Fund will help provide funding to early-stage research projects and advance them commercially. The fund has already selected two projects in the medical device space, and funding will help develop prototypes for those devices. One of the devices for operating rooms helps remove surgical smoke. The other is a new technique for detecting gamma rays. Each project received $25,000 for prototype development. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. And let's check out the business of food with Steve Alexander. Yeah, thank you. And are you one of those guys, and it seems to be mostly guys who think this way, but I'm sure it applies to women, too, that they look danger in the eye and say, Yeah, that won't happen to me. Yeah, famous last words in some cases. More about that after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox. Speaking of toolboxes, Brian Duncan, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, wants to make sure that your emergency planning toolbox is well stocked because that attitude that so many people have when facing some kind of dangerous or risky event. That won't happen to me. Well. Those are famous words that we've probably all said at one point. Yet the reality is we know things do happen and in agriculture, Very few of us haven't been touched by some of these emergencies. And however it comes to an end. We don't want to think about the day that we won't be farming. And that's going to sound strange to a lot of your listeners. But there's just a mindset that we don't want to think about when we won't be doing or won't be able to do the thing that we love. So the Illinois Farm Bureau is trying to get farmers to prepare for when things do end with an accident or even end naturally. There is a series of seminars across the state. Thursday evening, February 8th, it's going to be at Bally's in the Quad Cities. Friday, February 9th in Edwardsville at the Crystal Garden Events Center. Monday, February 12th at Epiphany Farms in Downs. And that'll be hybrid. If someone can't make them in person, there'll be a hybrid offering there. And at the Effingham Event Center on February 12th, you can register for any of these. Go to the Illinois Farm Bureau website, ilfb.org. Brian Duncan of the Farm Bureau is hoping for a big turnout, but he understands that planning for the end is not something a lot of us want to face. And it's hard. It is when you start transitioning and, and trying to line things up. It is not easy to to get all the pieces in place. More info on the seminars at ilfb.org. Tools for them to put in their emergency planning toolbox. On the food calendar, today's National Tater Tot Day, National Heavenly Hash Day, and National Bubblegum Day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. It's Wendy in for John today. He's back on Monday. And now we go live to analyst Matthew Goldberg from bankrate.com on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how are you? Great to be back on. Great. Uh, Nice to have you. And uh, this could be good news. Um, If you have kids who have checking accounts and sometimes they use their debit card and you have overdrawn, sometimes your bank charges you. But now overdraft fees could be going away. That is. So last month, the CFPB announced that a proposed rule, which would have potentially a benchmark with overdraft fees as low as $3 or capped at $14, or financial institutions may 
um, determine the amount that they can charge based on a break-even method. And then there also could be a, which is going to be more profitable for the bank, um, an overdraft loan option. Um, but uh, so this could be uh, something, especially because at bank rate, we found uh, in our study that published in August that uh, overdraft fees were at a 19-year low of $26.61, but that's still not as low as that new benchmark could be at 14 or as low as 3. Um, I don't understand an overdraft fee now that I am a grown-up because you can connect it to another account, and then that way, if you overdraw your checking account, it takes it automatically. Is that one way to avoid fees? There is. Some banks, and I think what you were talking about might be a little like savings overdraft protection where you kind of have that savings account backing up the uh, checking account, which may have a lower fee than traditional um, overdraft. But again, no, it's great to talk about this subject because I think there, there, there is some uh, common misunderstandings. And I think even the CFPB found that people were caught off guard. They weren't expecting that their account could overdraft. And then, uh, so it's good to talk about these things. All right. Well, um, other than hooking up, I, maybe I don't know exactly what an overdraft fee is. Obviously, yeah. um, could you explain it? Because I'm thinking. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. let's start there. Um, so when your balance is negative or already negative and a purchase goes through, if your bank pays that fee or pays that what you put through, that debit, then that would be an overdraft. Now, a non-sufficient funds fee, and I know it gets a little more complex, is when your bank, when you overdraw it, when you go negative or you have a negative balance and your bank doesn't pay the item but still charges you a fee, that's a non-sufficient funds fee. And that's something the CFPB announced even um, more recently is something that they're trying to, uh, proposing a rule to get away from banks having the ability to, in real time, decline those uh, decline those transactions, those NSF transactions. I'm telling you, the last time I hit, I was overdrawn was when I went to Illinois State University and I wanted to order a pizza from Pizza World, knowing that I did not have enough money in my checking account. But isn't it hard to um, not have it calculated? I mean, don't you usually know how much money's in your account? Well, I have to say, I'm a fellow Redbird here, as you might know. <laughs> I only and went so, there for a, a semester, though. I quit before I got kicked out. I'm sorry. I, I didn't love it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, um, the uh, certainly overdraft fees can sneak up on you. And really, let's say even it, let's say somebody has 240000 in one account and then has maybe 100 in another, and they write a check from the wrong bank. So it, it can happen oh, yeah, to pretty much anyone. It's not just, um, and certainly um, it does frequently happen to people who are struggling. Um, as the CFPB notes, um, uh, people definitely who are struggling to uh, difficulty in paying a bill at least one time in the last year, um, certainly it happens to them a lot more, but um it can really happen to everyone. So it's something that uh, people, no matter what you have in the account, uh, should really uh, be aware of, at least. All right. I have to ask you a question, Matthew, because is it possible that my bank doesn't charge an overdraft fee? Because I don't recall ever having one. Yeah. 
Well, um, especially in 2000 and 2024, um, some banks have eliminated overdraft fees. And so one, thing's to, one thing to people out there is the CFPB rule we're talking about would probably not go into effect till October 2025 at the earliest. And this is, um, and that, that's a long time from now, but ever since the CFPB um, made an announcement December 1st, 2021, some banks have started eliminating these fees. And so if you're being charged overdraft fees, there's a few things you can do. One, look out there and see which banks don't charge a fee, and you might want to consider switching to that bank. Look at the whole picture. Um, number two, if you're overdrafting, maybe considering having a budget or looking at a budget. Um, and there's some opportunities, such as say you have a recurring debit every month, that gym membership, and you're like, well, I haven't been to the gym in, uh, in a long, long time. Maybe I should cancel this. Or maybe a streaming service you no longer use. And so those can be savings opportunities to find. And a final thing, say your, pay, your first paycheck, you're paid twice a, a month, every other week. And your first paycheck was January 5th of this year. Well, March might be a three-paycheck month for you. So if you are budgeting for two paychecks and in March you have that extra paycheck, you can maybe put that into maybe an emergency fund, maybe pay off a little high-interest debt. So using those, uh, especially those three-paycheck months, if you're paid every other week, uh, generally you'll have two in a year. Those can be great savings opportunities as well and help you prevent overdrafts through budgeting. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, we only have about a minute here, uh, Matthew, but I have uh, a listener ask what happens when you're at the register and it says you have insufficient funds, but you know quite well there are ample funds to pay for the order three times over. It's very embarrassing. It does happen occasionally. Absolutely. So I think in that case, it's more of maybe something didn't hit yet or maybe something such as sometimes a uh, a service or maybe put through like an authorization or something like that. So that might be in that case, but it is I'm glad we brought this up because checking your app and um, before you swipe is generally a good idea. But as that listener said, there can be some kind of exceptions. And so, so it's always a great idea to have a little bit of a cushion if possible, but I understand it's easier said than done. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Some great tips. Uh, Matthew Goldberg, analyst from bankrate.com. Thank you so much. Did you go to Garcia's? Did you get a gut buster from Garcia's when you were at ISU? I did not. That was uh, that was not on my radar oh. at that time. <laughs> Avanti's? Avanti's, yes. Yeah, with the sweet bread. Very good. Yeah. I did a lot of eating when I was at Illinois State for a semester. But, it's a um, great, the Twin <laughs> Cities are great for eating. So is Chicago. <laughs> exactly. All right. Great to talk to you, Matthew. Have a, have a super weekend. You too. Thank you. <laughs> All right.